Hey, hey, namaste, my fellow Marvelous Nerds. This is the Marvel Mythos Podcast. I am your host, Brian Byerly. I'm joined by a couple of friends, Matt Applegate. What's up? And Travis Tubasing. Hello. Also known as Loud Spice. That is me. Uh, we are covering Uncanny X-Men 287 through 290 and X-Men 8 and 9 and Ghost Rider 26 and 27. We have to break it up a little differently this time because Uncanny and X-Men overlap a little bit. Yeah. So we're going to cover X-Men or Uncanny X-Men 287 to 288 as well as X-Men 8 and 9 and Ghost Rider 26 and 27 all together. We're going to treat them as one story even though they're kind of a little bit split up um, just for the sake of keeping us sane yes please then we'll close out the episode hopefully we'll have enough time to talk about it but we might only cover it for a couple minutes uh uncanny 289 to 290 so let's see the the first thing that kind of goes on in 287 and 288 is the the introduction of bishop to the x-men so we find out a little bit more about his backstory Uh, so he's fighting some of the prisoners that we saw in like two what was it 283 or 284 yes and he's trying to track them down he's fighting them with malcolm and randall and they get into a fight and um, malcolm and randall end up sacrificing themselves for bishop to carry on the x-men show up bishop was vowing to kill all of them and the x-men are like no no dice we're not doing that and then uh, eventually bishop gets punched by colossus and that pretty much takes him out and he wakes up with the x-men xavier ends up doing a, a side probe on him to figure out what his deal is and by the end of it xavier's like hey you should be an x-man and then the next issue picks up with uh, bishop going through danger room scenarios iceman visiting his girlfriend archangel struggling with his humanity a little bit and the team goes out on the town to get bishop acclimated with the world they run into I don't even know how to say it. Stiglitz? Stiglitz? I kept saying like Stigut or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I also was reading like when I was half asleep some of the time, so I just was kept saying gut. Uh, well, okay. Gut works. <clears throat> Glut, whatever. Stiglitz. So he ends up encountering him. They fight some more, and at the end of it, Bishop has kind of destroyed a lot of the surrounding buildings mm. and hurt some of the innocent people around, and it never occurred to him that that was going to be an issue because in his time – People kind of run for the hills whenever he shows up. But at the end of it, he actually uh, surrenders to Storm's leadership. And so that kind of wraps up a little bit of the 288 stuff. And then we were going to go straight into X-Men 8 with that as well, because X-Men 8 picks up with Professor Xavier introducing Bishop to the rest of the blue team, at which case you see Bishop kind of awestruck by seeing all of them. And uh, then he sees Gambit and freaks out. And they have a little bash on the picnic, and then eventually Belladonna shows up, and we learn a little bit more about Gambit. So let's kind of break those down first before we go into the New Orleans part of the story. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. So what what did you guys think of this overall? I, and I know we said we were going to leave most of the other issues of Uncanny till the end, but it was very, very storm-heavy, because like both issues, because you had uh, Bishop just... You know he idolizes Storm. We t- hit on that in the issues that we did prior with him in it, when he, with his introduction. But it was really Storm showing him the ropes of, hey, this is how you act here. This is this is not your time. And I thought it was pretty interesting, even though uh, at the beginning of this, I really didn't care about Bishop. I, th- I even wrote in my notes, oh, good, Bishop storyline, <laughs> great. But by the end of it, I, I really appreciated him and him feeling out of place and kind of navigating what it's like to be a time traveler. Yeah, because I think when we first read it, you were thinking he was uh, accustomed to time traveling. Yeah, I, I did. I did. I, from our old episodes, I was like, well, shouldn't he be like used to this? But I didn't realize it was this was his first, you know, foray into this. Yeah. What did you think, Matt? Uh, it was almost the opposite for me. Uh, the last episodes we did, um, I was like, oh, great, Bishop, but. The way that the uh, issue opened up, I really, I was actually really into it. I thought it was, uh, it was cool. He's running with his team and whatever, and and it gave you a little bit more of a background of what he was doing. Um, but then it started to deteriorate because who am I to argue with the world's most powerful telepath? But I'm like, you have Bishop come in, and then you're like, you're an X man. That's it. That's all you gotta do. Just five minute conversation, and you're in. Hmm. Uh, then he goes about trying to kill people, um, <laughs> people in the team. Like he's just the, ep- with the series of, um, 
comics that we read, he had tried to kill like a bunch of people. And it wasn't just like, oh, there's people here and they almost died. No, he tried to kill Gambit. You know, he's, he's just always going crazy. I'm thinking, no, that was kind of a weird, weird thing to do. It's just like, oh, you're in. Like, why did he even need to be? Yeah. Why, did he, why couldn't he just be trained? Like, why did he? I mean, I know he has training, but he obviously doesn't know how to act. Clearly. So it was kind of yeah. weird. But I think, though, the, the eventual end of it kind of wrapped up that like because yeah. he, he realized everything you're saying is 100 percent true. But at the end and I guess kind of at the end of the uncanny part of it, because the, I assume that the Gambit fight that he gets into where he freaks out about Gambit even being there happens before he turns in his like captain's badge or whatever his his mm-hmm. rank in, into storm. I assume all of that happened before he did that just because he learned his lesson yeah. from because then from he took it very seriously. Like when Forge was talking to storm, he's yeah. just like, Hey, that's no way to talk. Like almost like very militant. Did you think it was weird that when he, that scene where he does turn his badge and he's like, basically like, Oh, hi storm. You're half naked. I'm in your room. Yeah, like I thought was, that was, re- she was I asleep. That was and I'm really like, weird Bro, too. this is really weird. Yeah. I get you're from the future, but yeah. doors existed in the future. Like maybe privacy existed maybe. in the future. Maybe cloud doors or something. I, I Who so knows? What's even more bizarre to me, like reading this and, and kind of skips ahead a little bit, and I don't mean to, but it is a part of X-Men 8 where Forge is starting to develop like this jealousy to Bishop and Storm. Mm-hmm. And like the entire time I've gotten the vibe that they're trying to make Storm out to be like his grandma. Like that's the way I've read it. Like his grandma or great grandma, like somehow he's related to her. I read it differently. I read now I feel like Forge was like, building to a self-fulfilling prophecy for sure yeah but i felt like there was tension between the two of them that's how i read it like it was there was definite tension between the two of them and that was more like planting seeds for maybe later i assume in 20 issues maybe less they're gonna hook up or something but could it be like back to the future tension Ooh, that's a good call. Yeah, like, what if there is Back to the Future tension? I mean, he still thought his mom was hot, I think, but he was weirded out by it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, so I, I guess I guess Bishop could be going through the same thing. Yeah, but Bishop is Marty McFly. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, that's it. You were right. Yeah. I questioned it for a moment. But yeah. So, okay. For me, like, I'm kind of in the middle of it. Like, I'm not a huge Bishop fan, especially from modern uh, takes of him. But I didn't hate what he was doing for the most part. I do think like you were saying, Matt, it's kind of out of place that he joins the team or Xavier, you know, checks his mind or whatever at the end of 287. If that would have happened at the end of 288, after he'd kind of had that moment with storm where he sees the damage and the wreckage, it actually would have made a lot more sense, but where it's at, it doesn't because he hasn't had that shift. It's like somebody coming up and saying, you're in the NFL. Now, now you got to learn how to play football. Mm. It, why yeah. would you just get to join the X-Men? It's like anybody can join the X-Men. It just didn't make any sense. Yeah. I, I know it doesn't matter much, but he obviously was like a loose cannon. He didn't even know how to act. Like, sure, he was powerful and knew how to fight and all that stuff. But, I mean, dude, you would have thought that uh, Xavier could have seen a little bit of that craziness before they said, oh, you're one of the X-Men now. Maybe but, I, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess you, you said it best. Like, who am I to doubt the most powerful uh, telepath in, well, the, in the world. I, I want to be one of the X-Men if that's all it takes. Yeah. Just going <laughs> into the office and letting them read my brain. I guess if he, he must have been able to see all of that and maybe he wants to test the X-Men period on yeah. seeing how they integrate with someone that I feel like they, they could have done have. that without slapping a badge on them to say, hey, this is how the X-Men act, everybody. Yeah. You know, it's a, t- it's a very tense world and here you got this guy with a giant X on him acting a fool in the streets. Yeah. And you could have had him training without saying you represent us. That's very, in I mean, the that's media. very the true. media is very important in these comics because everybody wants to like hate the mutants and they have to put on a good front and all that stuff. Well, think about it from this perspective too. And the previous issues we've seen of him, he's getting television coverage for killing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then here he is one of the X-Men giant X on him. Yeah. And they wonder why they're yeah. hated and feared. I did think, murders. I did think it was cool. I took a screenshot of this particular part. You don't, uh, Professor X is a very modest man. And I just thought it was cool because Storm says, are you sure you want to be in there with him by yourself? And she says, uh, I'd like to speak with uh, Bishop alone. And uh, she says, uh, Charles, this man is very dangerous. And he says, that's something we have in common then. I loved that. I'm like, man, yeah. like you don't hear him talk like that very often. So like when he does, you take no, like, hey, don't worry about me. I could like 
turn his brain to mush. <laughs> I screenshotted that too because yeah. I loved that moment. So that was very cool. Uh, so, in part of these stories, we get uh, Bishop flashbacks where he stumbles upon the old war room mm-hmm. and he gets a glimpse of this old recording of a betrayer. Are you yeah. guys familiar with that? Like, do you remember what no. comes from this? No, do, no, you do, obviously. Yeah. So should you? So here's the thing. This, well, this you're is your about show. The animated series, or should, oh. this is your show. So do you tell us the spoilers now, or do you want us to figure it out in how many issues? It'll be a while, so okay. I kind of want to wait. So there's there's fruits to this labor. Then there is. Okay. There's, this is like a breadcrumb that is dropped now and not. You don't get the answer to it for like yeah, four a, or five years. Holy crap okay yeah so, <laughs> so that's like he's, us, he's like, not that's like it's a year yeah okay well, Inter- okay yeah a year and a half probably, probably. if we're doing four issues uh if we're going four issue arcs yeah, it's probably like two years for yeah us. okay he's okay. just trying to lock so, us in travis i, I, I just uh, my my entire idea of the timeline is is completely skewed as i said uh a, cu- a couple episodes ago where the Shi'ar stuff has already happened. The Dark Phoenix saga has already happened. So I'm my mind's still like, oh, is this is this gonna? No, that already happened. Yeah. So I don't really know where where this happens because I, I think in my mind it's like, oh, so the Dark Phoenix saga, and then two years later, Age of Apocalypse, and I know that's not what happened at all. But like that's right. because I read a lot of this stuff as a kid in bits and pieces. In of bits it. and pieces, exactly. I've never had a full arc. Ever. Me either. Me either. Would, so you yeah. you read these things bits and pieces. So my timeline is completely skewed. So yeah. I'm I'm glad I'm to with know. You. I'm glad to know something comes of it, and I really want to know. But I'm also really weirded out by Gambit being like huge yeah. hair boy. And, and <laughs> well, that's not so odd. They used to love to draw him like that. I took a screenshot where Cyclops' hair—he looks like a rooster, does he? <laughs> yeah, he just—it's going crazy. He's got a coal. Was out. that like an art thing back then? Yeah, so absolutely. It was 90s man, early 90s. I, it's just that was it. Speaking of that, the first these first two issues of Uncanny. I know it was a sit-in artist, but. Romita Jr., I could crawl up into his art and just live there yeah. and like make a baby with his art. It is, I love, I've always loved his art, but I love this issue. This whole issue, I was like, yeah. oh man, I just love this. And then Kubert, the next issue, Andy, oh, yeah. it was just, and then I, I don't want to talk ill of the, the main artist on, on the series, but it just was kind of like a, a downhill thing for me because I really enjoy those two issues of art. It also has to be said that when you read it in the app and it zooms in really far, sometimes that's a very far background shot and it's zoomed way in. Yeah. And I judge it a little harsh and then realize it's very small and, you know, I try to ease back on it a little bit. But I, I was listening to like some audio machine while I was reading and it's really epic music. I don't know if you listen to it or not, but the whole beginning with Bishop, I, I guess maybe if I would have listened or watched it, watched it. Uh, read it in a different mood it might not grab me so much but it actually did make me like bishop a lot more and i'm not i'm not a bishop fan and then it started to deteriorate when they all became a bunch of drama llamas uh and like forge and all of them are 9021 and up and i don't know but i liked the beginning part with his team getting killed and him finding finding out about the danger room and whatever i liked all that a whole lot but then it just went downhill so it was like the almost the opposite of you yeah yeah, I, I, I just, thought it was I, a lot cooler than I expected it to be. Hmm. And then I did like how he was fanboy in it. Like, I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, he saw Cyclops. He's like, oh, crap, this is awesome. Yeah, that's what, Fe- I, that's what I wrote. Future Boy calls him the greatest leader the X-Men have ever had. I'm just throwing that out there. And Storm kind of goes, he's back a little here, bit here's on the that. Note. Well, shows Storm Storm's face like, <gasps> <laughs> when he says that. But I wrote, my notes say, oh, Brian is, a, is Bishop's biggest fan now since he called Cyclops <laughs> the greatest X-Men leader. I'm not oh. going to lie. He, he instantly earned some brownie points. Oh, I'm me. sure. Yeah. Oh, don't, don't worry. We'll get to some brownie points for <laughs> right. He's Did right. He's such a hall monitor. I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to oh, dude. Cyclops I, I, was. I'm going to argue the opposite, and we'll, and you'll see why. You'll see why right after this picnic. <laughs> yeah, okay. he can't play around, but he can be like. Well, what? I guess. I guess my this weirded me out in X Men Eight, where it was like, oh, we're talking about all this stuff. We're talking about Bishop's role. Let's go have a picnic. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like I feel like we need to have a picnic part of this episode where we just take a break from the from the day and just talk about other stuff because it was such a weird moment for me. And to be fair, 
it was my favorite part of the book. So don't get me wrong. I love, I love the picnic part, but it was very much seemed out of place. Like, or at least the transition from serious to picnic was, was kind of weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. it, It is a jarring thing, which I guess I hadn't noticed because I do remember these from when I was a kid. So I remember the picnic and that being the thing that stood out just like the basketball stuff. Yeah, exactly. The basketball game is the, is this issues pick or the picnic is this issues basketball. Exactly. So like a young teen, Brian was reading this mm, issue. Probably earlier than that. Okay. Probably. I don't know. I probably went back to it in my teen years. <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> I mean, come on. Even what, who is it asking Colossus or Archangel? Who's the one asking? They're like, hey, is Psylocke as hot in person as she is in the training video? Yeah, it was one of them. Yeah. Like, I couldn't remember who it was. Uh, I don't know. Which I'm trying <laughs> to figure like out. It was like, probably how, Iceman, but how have I don't even know if he was there. How have they not been around her? I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I guess because they were in X-Factor maybe when she was part of the team. Yeah, that's another thing because they were referencing – well, that's the other side of Uncanny because they they were referencing stuff that happened in Excalibur – or Excalibur, X-Factor with Bobby and Opal. Who I didn't know, so we'll get to that. I just—it's confusing because there's so many callbacks to X Factor. Yeah, I have no issues. idea. Who I was like, Opal okay, I'm lost. But at all, the picnic. Being, I thought it was Psylocke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I did. I, just I, I the did. Way, the matter of fact of how you said that. I was For, like, oh, Opal. The the picnic was awesome. Uh, I really was very surprised. Now we talk about Cyclops being a hall monitor, so the rules only apply to him when he's not staring at boobs. Yes. Like it, you've got li- like I, I wrote down <laughs> boobs. McGuire comes out of the pond and he's like, um, I don't have my words. Okay. You expect me to believe one thing that Cyclops is the greatest leader of that the X-Men have, have ever had on the other end. He's a bumble- bumbling idiot. I almost cuss there, but it's not my, it's not my, it's not my one cuss for this episode. So it's I I, I really it, it really got really to, fired up about it so yeah. I almost went to it but he I had to sheet like that some bumbling idiot from he was like screech in that moment like, yeah it, like how do you turn to, again he's an apple polisher but he is not not smooth he has he's been dating Jean Grey forever yeah. and he is later on date, dates White Queen yeah so I, he likes he likes telepaths something happens and and women like him somehow. So how is he going to just be like, um, 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 have you never seen boobs before Cyclops? I mean, it, hey, you don't know, on. you don't know what the boobs looked like through his visor. Maybe they look better. They would just look red. Yeah. Maybe. Like you wanted to shoot optic Maybe. blast at it. They look, I don't like, know. They look like targets to me. It's like, things like, we, we like, can't oh, comprehend. Optic blast. Optic blast. Well, he's just all not, these people trying to defeat him. The mischaracterization it just of Cyclops easy. Just boobs. is weird to me just because I feel like it's. And that, now I know, Brian, you've said he's not your favorite at this. This is not these are not the issues that made him your favorite X-Men Correct. character. So it's it's probably a little weird. But this for is you. the foundation. Yeah, I mean, that's true. This is where this is the foundation. Hey, can, can we put in the title description just boobs for this episode, <laughs> please? It'll be one of the bullet points. Oh, cool. Yeah. cool. <laughs> boobs McGuire is totally Bo- Boobs McGuire is going to be one of the bullet Liz points. Liz will definitely be like, uh, what is, oh, gosh, I don't know if I could be. I honest. resign. Uh, actually, she'll. Regret not having taken part in the conversation. There you go. Agreed. But I, I so we I all guess know it's how just to defeat Cyclops. Now, yes, though. it's just beat parade women around. Asian. And, yeah, p- parade women around in bikinis. But it just doesn't seem like something he would do as a character. Nor does it make sense to me. I get that. Yeah. Like I mean, while not he, being the smoothest charmer, like a gambit, he was, he was just a means to an end to say, hey. Even in comics, they all look the same. All all of the people look the same fundamentally. They yeah. just use accessories to make them look different. Yeah, they just really want you to think Psylocke is hot. It's like she is the female Gambit. Yes, without I mean, the red like, eyes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But Beast no. could have been the guy that was like, oh dear. Even like he, you even, have, I yeah, write that. even well, Beast stars and garters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my, well, my stars and garters, and you could even have him pushing his glasses down his nose <laughs> and being like, it wouldn't even had to have been a conversation with Gene. It would just be in general. Even, I, I, we just wrote a better X-Men panel than they did. So I think yeah. like the whole idea is they're trying to create that tension between uh, Gene and Psylocke and Scott. Yeah. Does that lead to something? Not really. So what, but why like create the tension? It sound way more important. Also, but I it wanna, is there in the uh, I do want to bring up that it's a... <laughs> It's not really fair because she flirts with literally every X-Men in the future, past, or present. That's true. That exists. That's true. And he looks at some boobs. I mean, Psylocke was getting out of the water, and she's all dripping wet. And 
and he's like bumbling and doesn't even say anything. He didn't go up there and say, hey, I like those boobs you got on you. Yeah, I, I guess <laughs> you know that's, what that's, I mean? I'm surprised Gene didn't say that. Like, that right? seems like, like, like you look, she's flirting with, those, hey, those boobs hey, look cute on you. I like you. those boobs. Uh, you're right. That seems like something Gene would hey, say. Jake, get a boob counter out. No, I'm just kidding. There's <laughs> totally a double standard going on here with Gene. <laughs> I agree. Well, you're right. That's because yeah. my point. The last couple episodes, we have been talking about how flirtatious Gene is. But, eh, but I, I guess she is a psychic, so <laughs> no telling what he was thinking. Well, in the same vein of me being like, okay, I don't understand why Brian loves Cyclops. I can totally understand why you had a trench coat and a <laughs> playing card, those dowel rods, playing cards and dowel rods that were paint spray painted silver. You even, so Brian <laughs> had multiple different sizes of Gambit staff. So if you watched the, the animated series, Gambit had a staff that would extend. Brian had multiple different sizes of this. So it could, he could have it as, Oh, here's just me holding around in my pocket. I'm Gambit. And then also here's the full size staff. How did I miss this? It, you weren't his neighbor. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's pretty much your the weaker moment. It, it was when I was younger. <laughs> it was cool. We, I, I thought it was cool. I, yeah, I was jealous, I, but I even had like the, the cow or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the, I forgot all about yes, that. Yes. But that, that I can totally reading these issues. I'm like, Gambit might be, might be my favorite X-Men. Yeah, Gambit like, was awesome. He is super cool. He is everything like 90s, like cool person, bad boy. <laughs> hey, he, I'm get, the- he gets put in the same situation as Cyclops, but laughs it off. Yes. And the rogue's <laughs> hugging him by the end of it while his <laughs> wife shows yes, up <laughs> and tries to kill them. And she's like, it's cool. No, don't worry about it. And Cyclops is getting his butt kicked over thoughts that he may or may not have had. <laughs> it's not even, you're right. It's not even the exact same situation. It's, it's worse. It's, it's worse. worse. And yeah, he's like, just like, yeah, so what? And this you want to come hang he, out he, with my wife? He throws a charged up pie in Rogue's face, too. <laughs> oh, what was the line, too, uh, when Bishop? Oh, I, I screenshotted it because yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it was one of my favorite panels. The boysenberry pie. The boysenberry. Yeah. Why, why, why does the type of pie make a difference like what's the just so we know what it is i don't know (laughs) and i i just like that it would would does rogue still feel pain even though she's impervious to like damage because i would think if you heat up a pie like if i go touch a pie on the microwave it's going to be hot yeah so if you kinetically charge a pie as a mutant power and then throw it rogue would still be like f that hurts i don't i don't know she does feel pain but maybe, maybe it has, I don't know. But it was good. It was, it was a good ending to the picnic, picnic scene because Bishop and Gambit come together and they're like, Skia, keep laughing because she's going to kill us if we don't. Ha, ha, right. ha. So did, it, did it was, anybody else notice his cowboy boots? Gambit? Yeah. He had some yeah. serious cowboy they're totally, boots. No. They're totally HBK style See, but that makes me even, boots. that makes yeah, me love Gambit even more. With the jeans t- <laughs> that, uh, I mean, I, to him. How, I, how do you get cooler than that? Like he is the coolest guy ever. And I, Brian, I am sorry if I ever doubted your reasons for liking Gambit. I still doubt your reasons for liking Cyclops. Well, let's just say that Gambit has won you over from when I loved him. Yes. Maybe Cyclops will win you over from when I love him. Cool. So when we're 50. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll get there when we're 50. Okay, I, cool. I'm not going to be doing this podcast when I'm 50. <laughs> I'll probably be senile. So. No. No. You, you'll, your mind will be. You'll, your mind Somebody will have killed me by then. That's true. So. Probably you. The the picnic I, that that's probably my favorite part of the entire what, however many issues we read eight same um, easily kind of like the basketball scene like we talked about I I love that we're getting little pieces of information about Gambit's backstory and all of these from the witness situation before where we learn his last name is LeBeau yep which we didn't know until now really that's why like it's a big deal when he goes to the witness you don't know who it is. That might be why one of the reasons I said it was his reaction. Like one of the reasons I was I wrote Brian. No wonder Gambit was your favorite because he's like you're telling information that you're not supposed to tell. Like he's like to Bishop. He's like oh, yeah. veiled threats. City. It's just <laughs> like I'm like oh Gambit is so cool. Yeah. And it's like the whole thing is uh, so in the future we get that that scene of him saying pup, mm-hmm. and then when he says pup to him when they're introduced, that's when it clicks that like that's who it is. And he's like oh. This is why you never, ever talked about Gambit when I would ask you questions about the old X-Men because of you. Yeah. So like that's kind of when we learned that part of it. Uh, the, the line that I thought was cool is he's going around talking about everybody. And he goes, you must be Gambit. There's very little written about you. And Gambit says, just the way I like it. Hmm. And I thought that was really cool. And then that's when Bishop has his like 
Oh, moment. So Let's... Gambit is officially the coolest X-Men still at, at this point. Because he, he, all the one-liners, like he's, he's basically Clint Eastwood. Yeah, he's Ooh, really cool. He, I hadn't thought of that. He, pre- he pretty much is. Yeah, that's, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, who's Cyclops? Who? Um. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> who, was, who was the, like, the worst uh, Western actor? Billy Bob Thornton in Tombstone. Like he's in it for five seconds and he looks like Wow. A it, Tombstone's like my favorite movie. Okay. Uh, it makes Billy, a little more yeah. sense. He he's standing there once he finds out well, I'm, I'm not gonna do this right now, sorry, sorry. Go, go yeah, ahead. yeah, yeah. Right. We'll just start this will turn this into, will turn a, into a, to, a tombstone podcast. <laughs> Basically, Doc Holliday comes out and uh, scares the crap out of Billy Bob Thornton and he's just standing there basically piss pooling around his boots. Like he's like, Oh, he was about to go shoot shoot uh, White Herb. And there's uh, Doc Holliday and White Earp are just having a conversation, and he, Billy Bob's still sitting there petrified. And Doc Holliday <laughs> turns to him. Doc Holliday would also be Gambit, and goes, "Oh, hmm. you're still here. You may go." <laughs> and, and Billy Bob just like drops his shotgun and leaves. Dude. So Gam- Gambit is in this in this Western scenario. <laughs> Gambit's Val Kilmer, uh, Cyclops is Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, the Doc Holliday <laughs> connection I have actually thought about when we were younger and watching Tombstone because it is he's that does not surprise me. You, totally. you love Val Kilmer a lot too. I did in the day. Yeah, back in the day. <sighs> hey, so and then he was Batman. So we touched it. Yeah, <laughs> we touched a little bit about uh, Belladonna showing up. Mm-hmm. So we right. learned that Gambit has a wife, and we learn a little bit about the Thieves and Assassins Guild. I think, again, another thing that I. Is there are there comics dedicated to that Gambit one through four that that miniseries? Yeah. Do you still have like the holographic covers? I do. I, mm, I almost <laughs> bought them the other day because I've, I've been I've been seriously going through some Gambit some Gambit envy right now like the last month. So so that's what that's about. Yeah, it's uh, that whole like so we get in these we get the little information about the um, brother in law that he kills mm-hmm. and it's that story. Oh, that's so cool because it just shows him like sword fighting and and him obviously poking him. But <laughs> that's that's awesome because I really I, I didn't realize and it just makes me feel like that Ubisoft ripped the Assassin's Creed series completely off of Gambit. Then, <laughs> like at least the parts everybody likes, like not the animus so, parts of the games. So yeah, to Travis, everything is Gambit now. It like is. Tombstone, yep. Assassin's Creed, I'm gonna Mario do an episode Odyssey, called Wrestling is Pokemon. <laughs> wrestling is Gambit. That's a, I'm going to do an episode called Wrestling is Gambit. I'll, I'll make it happen. You, you watch. Don't, I, I don't mean to. I ju- have to be on that one. You will. I don't mean to jump ahead, but Belladonna has these powers. Apparently, she didn't have when her and Gambit were a thing. Because he says you're going to have to explain to me how you got these powers or something like that. Hmm. And I thought, oh, that's cool. They're going to explain. No. They killed her. Yeah, so, so I was like, they didn't even have to figure out why she had powers because they were just going to kill her off anyway. I thought that was kind of weak, but it is. I can't remember the full part of that. I know they kind of hint at all of them having like the assassins and the thieves having powers, and they right. all get it from the same source. And I hmm. can't remember how that is right now. I, well, what, if you, we had a fact checker, that would be amazing. Sometimes he fact checks. I don't, what is he? What is he going to Google for that? Belladonna's powers when? Yeah, I don't. I don't even know when. Externals what? powers? Yeah, externals maybe. Assassins Guild. Let, let's go to Nolans. Let's let's just go yeah. there. Let's let's talk about this because if we're talking about further into Belladonna, she shows up at the picnic and then they go to New Orleans. They do Nolans, and that's Nolans. when we get some Ghost Rider action as well, which was pretty cool. Um, I thought that was really neat. Uh, the artist, I like. I liked how the art went back and diff, uh, back and forth to different styles mm-hmm. because you had it in X Men and then you had it in Ghost Rider. It was just a contrasting uh, look to it, and I thought that was really neat. I enjoyed that quite a bit, rather than just one artist doing it all. There are some awesome shots of Wolverine, Gambit, and Ghost Rider in the Ghost Rider stuff. Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, I screenshotted it, and it, it's. I, I this was. I think this was my cuss. My cuss word like that. The it's yeah, Ghost Riders, Skull and Gambit and Wolverine are flanking them after they go to take off to find the the Brood I Queen. I took a screenshot for art reasons. I was gonna like possibly try to draw it. <laughs> it but is, you totally should. It's it really is cool. So cool. If I can get a Ghost Rider blank cover, ah, there you go. That's what you got to do. Like I, it's it, you, you don't want Brood Ghost Rider. <laughs> okay, so that was stupid. Sorry, yes, I thought that was so dumb. It is stupid and. 
me from the 90s probably hated anything about that. And that's why I don't remember any of it. Mm. But having gone through so much of the old Uncanny and reading, I think it's 160 to 166, which is kind of like the first story of the brood. I'm like, wow, the brood are awesome. Yeah. At least they were in that. Yeah, so like, no, I can absolutely see them being cool. I thought it was like, when I started reading this and all oh, the assassins and uh, thieves, cool. Ghost Rider, cool. Yeah. I did not have any idea I'd be reading a brood story whatsoever. Yeah, that was a, I didn't either. That was a yeah. big twist. and That was a huge twist. I was like, oh. And somehow they made it kind of make sense. Yeah, I would have I, loved the whole idea if he hadn't been brood Ghost Rider. Yeah. I thought that was so weird. Well, the annoying thing about it is they make a big point about how once you're infected or have an egg implanted in you, you can't go back. Yeah. And there's like some... And that's the part that makes it scary. Yeah. Yes. Like that's that's the fear part of it. it like you told me about that line. Um, I'm not going to even try to remember when it was. But you said how it was almost like a aliens. Yeah. And how you're like, crap, it was actually pretty scary. It was like a terrifying thought having that egg put in you and you're done after that. Now you're a brood. Yeah, there's the whole, like, so when they're first introduced, Wolverine, they're all off on a different planet, and uh, Wolverine gets away after having been part of it, and he realizes that he's got an egg in him, and it's, like, his healing factor basically fights it off, so he doesn't get turned into a brood, but it's, like, a horrendous and painful experience for him, and then he realizes, crap, all of the X-Men have been infected. Oh, And, like, so there's several issues where he's sitting there, like... Trying to figure out, do I tell them they're all going to die or not? That sounds awesome. It is. Mm -hmm. It is an excellent story. And um, ultimately, like, that's when – do you guys know who Lockheed is? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's when Lockheed's introduced. And what ends up happening is, like, Lockheed is kind of their kryptonite. Like, the brood are petrified of Lockheed for some reason. And then they go into this weird crystal room. And when they go into – That's Kitty's dragon, right? Yes. Okay. yeah. Yeah. I just is, want to make Lockheed, sure I was thinking of the same thing. Yep, is Lockheed the only of his kind, or is it a alien race? Jeez, oh, it's an alien race, but I don't nah, remember. There's a green one and a white one and a black one. I hope so. And Daenerys rules. Oh, okay. <laughs> that makes more sense. Yeah. Mother of dragons. <laughs> makes perfect sense. Yeah. But so anyway, there's this whole inner conflict with Wolverine through like two or three <laughs> issues where he's trying to figure out if he tells them or not. Mother and of that's, dragons. Sorry. Mother of dragons. Excellent. <laughs> so we've talked about joke. Tombstone, Game of Thrones. Sorry. Sorry. We've talked about everything but X-Men at this point. Hey. Gambit is also <laughs> Daenerys. The listeners seem to to want more Tombstone always. Like, you know, yeah. uh, so. Gambit is Dario, dude. Or how well, him too. Yeah. Him too. Yeah. And Cal Drogo. Mm. And Jon Snow. <laughs> and who else? And Ghost. Who else can he be? Well, the Ghost rat eyes, eyes. He's totally he's ghost. Totally ghost. <laughs> he's just everybody. He's anything he's you Varys. want him to be. He's Varys? Mm-hmm. He's, he's a eunuch. He's he totally, he totally a eunuch. Why not? I, I, I don't know. By the, by the end of this... You saw his cowboy boots. You did, That's true. <laughs> by the end of this, I kind of was like, okay, I'm do- okay, I'm done. Like the, the thing that really wrapped it up for me was that scene where Ghost Rider goes off to find him because he's mad that he was turned into Brood Rider. Mm. <laughs> Gambit is mad because at this point Belladonna has died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, terribly sad. Terribly moment. sad. Everybody's yeah. just really mad. Yeah. And then, then Wolverine. Why vengeance. is Wolverine mad? Because he's Wolverine. Because he's he Wolverine. Goes he goes, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> he goes where he wants to go? I or think, is it, it a callback to what you were saying? Yeah. So there are a couple instances where Wolverine uh, has bad instances with Brood and that is like his whole, like that's why he hates him. I'm really curious. I need to read this arc now. I was more curious if Wolverine just always has a brood egg and it's always fighting him off. Like he's always fighting. That it would off. be amazing. Yeah, but that would be that disgusting. Okay. That would be awesome. Like he just has this brood egg in him and he's just constantly <laughs> fighting his healing factors, constantly healing himself so he doesn't get infected by a brood. That's awesome. <laughs> Sony needs to do a Photoshop uh, because it was it in um, right X Men where he's just like on the computer and he just keeps like <laughs> looking up stuff and it says do i have a brood egg in me and he's just googling it sony needs to photoshop I'm, that. I'm down with that you yeah Somebody we have to make that happen it, it just went on a little a little too much for me it was personally. also so far removed from the story it seemed like there was such a good story going on that i didn't think they needed the brood 
You know, it could have been anything. They didn't. They yeah, didn't. And they it's didn't just need like, the brood. And we'll, it, we'll talk it was, about it later. But it's like with the whole Opal and Iceman B plot in the other one. That yeah. didn't need to be there. It might yeah. make more sense later, kind of like Archangel's identity crisis that he's having. I'm sure that comes to a point at some point. Yeah, he's flying around naked. I, if I was Archangel, I'd never fly naked. He's got like wings of like adamantium, like talon things that. I have a real problem with you saying if you had metal wings, you wouldn't fly around naked because I totally would. Yeah. Why wouldn't yeah. you? Because you have sharp wings on your back. Yeah, but you've yeah, got I'm a not, flopping gonna... phallus in the wind. You're flying around. You could those things fall off. You know that, right? Like he could shoot them. What if one were? I, there I you mean, go. if you have ultimate power over your metal wings, maybe if you had metal wings in training. But if I had metal wings, it'd be like, "What's up? You could lose what are you them. Gonna do? You, do you not like me? What about the episode naked? with the clamps? Here's, here's metal feathers. All it takes is a clamp. You did a clamp from who? I'm Why flying. wouldn't you wear pants? I'm flying around. I mean, sometimes I would, but tuck, who's gonna at stop least me? tuck it? Who wouldn't fly around <laughs> naked? Like I would fly around naked with my metal wings because a no one could stop me, and b you got to do it once. If you have clamps, you'd totally be stopped, though. Dude. We yeah, established, we this. established, established it. Yeah. He's not that hard to thwart, apparently. <laughs> just clamps that, that just clamps him to that the come up, and then he's done. Because, you know, you have these big, like, deadly wings. You couldn't do anything with those on the ground. That's true. It's not like having a thousand <laughs> knives on your back that you I don't know, even need your arms for. I really feel bad for him, because he's obviously, now, last episode. He's very sad. Yeah, well, he's obviously I guess you could say stuff. he's blue. He is. Oh God! That was, that was not, it was all funny that was before good. that. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I feel it's like still funny. He's really going through some stuff, and I know Brian talked about it because you and I, Matt, we were kind of like, "What? Okay, what? What is? How long has this been? You know, right. what is going on with him?" But you can tell he's just, you know, really going through it. And how Bobby says that he's not going to need to use his clothes anymore. Like Bobby Archangel lets him borrow a suit. And oh, I don't mean yeah. to start getting into the last two ep- issues of X- Uncanny X-Men if we don't want to. It's off uh, the rails. But yeah. It's off the rails. What The, the naked Archangel <laughs> flight conversation yeah. put us off the rails? That's fair. Uh, we have I, a backtrack limit, but not a like, whatever this not would a, be. Yeah. But seeing, seeing him realize, you know, and Bobby just saying something off the cuff, like, oh, you won't be needing your suit anymore. And, and Archangel being like, oh, like this is this is the fate other people are deciding for me and wanting to just kind of run off and fly away while professor Xavier's like, no, you report to the room now. And he's, he's like, just, nope. after mystique starts nope. messing with him, and I'm not wearing pants either. Yeah. And didn't his, in the voicemail that he got, didn't she go from calling him more into Archangel or mm-hmm. something? Yes. Yeah. So it's, yeah, really I'm sure it'll come him. to a, come to a front at some point. Um, I did, I did think it was cool where forge brought up to storm. Hey, by the way, you haven't been paying any attention to like uh, Archangel or anybody on the team that might have needed help because you're too busy running around with Bishop. So like, even though he was probably being jealous, he did have some points that she was just like very preoccupied with it. And you mm-hmm. have Archangel. They said like, was it six months that he's had the wings? So it's yeah, not far removed. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Why isn't somebody watching this dude? And he did. He's it. flying around without any trousers, like just <laughs> unhinged. He obviously—that's a cry for help, you know. So I don't yeah. know. If you go flying around without pants, cry for help. Well, I, I guess right? then you all should and be you got having Mystique. a closer eye on me. Then you got Mystique <laughs> walking around in the house like trolling fools. What's that about? I'm yeah. Like, what is Mystique doing here? Well, and it's just like, other... see Wolverine issue. I'm like, yeah, Wolverine. Do something about Mystique That's, running around pretending to be mirrors. Yeah, they were like they tried to like do this in this ham fisted way. Well, like, well, Mystique's here, but for Wolverine things. <laughs> and, and and just like why? she was making a lot of good points, but then instantly somebody says, "Oh no, she's crazy. You got to ease <laughs> up on her." And then she's like, <laughs> she turned into a drunk person. Yeah. Then she's like, like, what are you talking about? Let's go, my dear. Yeah. So she's like Harley Quinn all of a sudden. We were gonna because I want to go in to talk about Forge. Like being there for her, like when she has mm-hmm. this mental breakdown in this five second span. And Bishop and Storm being but, BFFs. But 
I, Forge is a very interesting character because I didn't remember him being part of the X-Men A. Amazing. I couldn't really have told you much about him uh, or his mutant power. <laughs> I thought he was from the future. I thought he was. Uh, be, it's because in mm-hmm. one of the episodes, he's in it with Bishop, isn't he? Yeah, he's, like he, yeah. he's way old. In the animated yeah. series. In the yeah. that, that's why. That's why the animated series. That's why you. Which is kind of funny that now that like, he's all jealous and hating Bishop and in the cartoon they were bros. Yeah. But the whole drama, it it was just I I, I don't know I, I I went back and forth on it because I I really enjoyed Storm being vulnerable because they really position her as the goddess and is very closed off and we all know she's had a tough childhood and all this other stuff so I really like the inner dialogue that she's having I guess what I don't like is forge with the dramatics honestly still a better love story than thanos and death (laughs) he he reacted reacted better than than thanos which isn't saying much but uh forge was just kind of like oh well we're having problems so let's get married Uh, okay that's your that's your a that's your jump and then gene gray all she says is it's not my place to say and that's what he bases yeah. his decision for the next that affects him and somebody he just proposed to. I feel like it was that way on both sides too, because Bishop at one point is sitting there talking to himself and he's just like, yeah, I'd be really sad if she left like really, really sad. And I'm thinking you all your bros just died. Like, and you're really worried about this person you just met going and getting married. I don't know. I thought that was weird, but well, you, you, the, the reverence thing you had to take into account that she's, like this superstar that he's met and is getting to know Fair and as a teacher. I did think it was weird for just like, Oh, I have this undying love for you. I'm trying to help you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I think I'm going to go hang out with this crazy woman now. Yeah. Well, so, also Brian, yeah. is this the, had we heard anything about them being together? Cause I, and I, yeah. I, I feel like they covered their bases with, cause I was like, they're together. And then they were like, yeah, we've been real quiet about it. So I felt like it was just the, the writers being like, well, we didn't talk about it because they're secretive. But I, I was like, they're, to, they're together? They were together in like a different dimension or something like and that. Where, like, it was them, but they were like and, secluded into another dimension and or an something. Infinity Stone. Yeah, basically. Where, they were in the Soul Stone. Yeah. No. Where was it that uh, they mentioned that Mystique and Forge were going to end up together? So I think it had something to do with Destiny. I don't remember. So Destiny is like Mystique's. Um, girlfriend, I think was like the implication of it back in the day. They just weren't outright in saying it, but they okay. lived together. And like, it's like one of the few people that Mystique has ever loved and destiny is a precog. Oh, so okay. she would like, you know, tip Mystique off to things that were going on. Mm. And I think there was something with her where she talked about Forge. Like, yeah. What? I don't know. Somebody told me you're going to end up with Mystique. I'm like, swerve, you know what I mean? He's instead he embraces it. Well, it's like his whole, so he, his power Especially is he fixes things, right? Yeah. So yeah. he's a tinkerer, I yes. guess, if you want to get all Disney-fied. But <laughs> anyway, so he sees Mystique as broken, and I think that's what motivates him here. Like, it's something that he thinks he can fix. With Storm, he's like, I can't fix you because you don't want to be fixed. Mm. I guess it's it's hard for me to view him as a deep character when he hasn't been portrayed as a deep character in any of the issues I've read. So I, I don't... It's, it's like, okay, what direction are you taking? And... Yeah. I don't have any context because what you said makes sense, but I have no context of that is who Forge is. I yeah. mean, I know that's his mutant power, but I, I don't have any context to, you know, he's he has to fix Mystique and he just decides this on a whim after being, well, I mean, to be fair, I, I've done crazy things on a whim after getting my heart broken. I planned, I bought a $3,000, it was, it was an expensive camera, mm-hmm. and des- decided I was going to go on a cross-country trip that I never went on. So I, I get the idea of, from true. that. It's really but true. But also I didn't go, oh, hey, you broke up with me. Now I'm going to go with this crazy. Well, I did do that too. You did that yeah, as I did well. too. <laughs> okay, times. so Forge is very accurate. Forge, this is, <laughs> this is, this real. is a very accurate, I may be Forge. <laughs> So actually it, Forge had a lot of points. Like he was showing wisdom, but then he just threw it out the window. Like and like he's like, "Okay, let's try this. Let's do this." But then he just gives up. That didn't seem like to make sense at all. Like it seemed like he bailed ship way quick after like burying it for this time that he's dealing with it and then all of a sudden he's just done. Hmm. And and it seems kind of odd to me. But I thought it was a cool thing. I just think there was too much of it. I, I agree. Also, yeah. what is... I'm probably jumping way around here. 
But what is Cyclops's brother name again? Colossus's brother. That's what I mean. Not yeah. Mikhail. Mikhail. Okay, Mikhail. Yeah. Mikey. So he can turn people to trees. Yeah. What the <laughs> crap? Like there was some kind of energy manipulation in the last thing we read because he closed yeah. the portal. Right. Yeah. Straight up turns. So he can into just a tree. change matter. I thought that was cool though. Like it I would, is. I would, that it was, was interesting. Cool so but he's basically going. I through guess PTSD. we'll find out. Yeah, he's basically going through PTSD, and I'm. I'm hoping we get to see more of it because yeah. it seems like they're planting the seeds for that. But yeah, I didn't mean to jump around. I just was afraid I'd forget. I'm glad you brought it up because I think it's nice that we're actually revisiting Mikhail after what we'd read before. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasant Agreed. surprise that I, I figured they would just let that go away and just never reference it again. But they're even talking about them going to see magic. Yeah. So I, I thought that they, was cool. I hope they do. I feel like you know what's going to happen. I really don't. Like, I know some things because I remember the big stuff. Let's Brian, check the I really don't know. Also, Brian, you guys don't know <laughs> the special trader that you're going to find out in two years, and I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> right. Okay, Brian. That's my point. I remember the big things, the small things with Mikhail. Like, I don't... Your show, your rules. I get it. I get it. <clears throat> yeah. When it's your show, you you rule. I do. <laughs> who, so, who... Tell me this, Brian. Yeah. Who's Opal. And what does it have to do with X Factor? Opal is Iceman's girlfriend. Yeah. yeah that we he found met that at like a record store or something goofy. Okay. And like so she no has significance. none whatsoever. And I don't even know if they've been dating very long at this point. It doesn't seem like it. Yeah. But so that I guess that was my question with X Factor is how long how how far removed are Iceman and who else was on X Factor? Cyclops and It was Jean? the original five. They all went to X Factor. They were the first X Factor. Oh my God! Why is that? That is that's so confusing to me. Yes. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> they were the so what while they were in X Factor, how far removed is that? Because this is so, not the first time this is referenced. So that would have been like I don't know X Factor sixty two ish somewhere in there. I didn't note it down, but it's somewhere around in there. And I think the split, like when the blue and gold team happens, mm-hmm. the original five X Men who were X Factor join the x-men again so that's, and that's that's i think is like x-factor 70 71 okay. somewhere in there so that's probably at this point a year and a half of our time but for comics like 15 issues just make a like graph that. gotcha yeah gotcha it's that easier makes sense. we'll just we'll just map it out on a chart like charlie day style <laughs> yeah that's how i do it that's my that's my everything it's like oh. yeah uh, so i i guess Who's but, the hero, who's the hero guy? Hero is I don't know, her cousin or ex boyfriend or something. Yeah. I don't remember. But like maybe both. He's they have the what are they called? Um, cyberized or something, yeah. which are like cyborg samurais from yeah. But anyway, from her family, and so they had this big feud, and Hero was gonna basically murder Iceman over her, and um, she basically told Hero something like you're OP because you're a cyborg. Hmm. So he just gave up and let Iceman win. Hmm. And then they left together. They very much showed that she still had feelings for him, which led me to believe it hadn't been a long time too. And she was just like, Oh, this is hot record store guy and didn't really like think too much of it. But I thought the most, the biggest thing for me from this whole sequence was, and this kind of piggybacks on the last episode with uh, Jake, Jake, and Jake. I'm going to call you Jake, too. Okay. Uh, where you were talking about how um, the, the politics kind of have were calling back to today, like hearken to today from, from these issues. And it was real interesting to me that you have uh, Daddy Drake being racist against oh, yeah. Asians. Yeah. And it, kind of, it just was trippy to me to think about. So not only are... Are you are people you know discriminating against mutants, but actual racism still exists in the in right. this world? And so it's like this is so dystopian of a of a of a time not not a timeline, but of a reality. You know, like yeah. just a, just the general X Men reality. There are different layers. If you're an Asian mutant, you're going to be discriminated against two different ways. Yeah, because you have powers and because you're Asian. I guess at least if you're daddy drake and anyway. uh, they'll just write you and make you a vampire eventually who knows yeah maybe <laughs> maybe they could but like it, jubilee it just kind of it just really stuck out to me it, for for whatever reason that it was just like oh man these the people in this world have a lot of stuff to deal with do you realize that they made jubilee a vampire at one point i was just trying to gloss over it no i don't I yeah no he told me one time i was like really what 
Why? We don't have to get I don't okay. even remember. <laughs> yeah, God, she becomes a vampire. Was, yeah. Like, legit. Jubilee. She does. So then that's a third level of discrimination. There's, whole, there's <laughs> right, a, that's what I'm saying. They, 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 they cut it even deeper. These vampire bastards. Um, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that they were just trying to... Yeah, I'm sure they were just trying to These tie Asian up something. Mutant vampire bastards. Yeah, like, right? They should have just had Blade come in and sort that right out. <laughs> um, I'm sure they were just trying to tie up something or... I don't know. It didn't seem like the beginning of a small kind of storyline, but it seemed like the end of one. You talking uh, about with hero, with, hero? with hero dying and seemingly dying and all of that. I just thought it was weird. It, I felt like it was weird pace. Maybe if I've read every comic up until this point, it would have made more sense, but I feel like it was very out of place. Very weird. Not only that, but Iceman should have been able to take every single one of them. You're talking about robots or cyborgs, or whatever you Cyborg want to do. Cyborg samurai. Like, yeah. even one of them goes, oh, you know, you've frozen my circuits. Like, just keep freezing it, and these guys are done. Well, blood would freeze quicker than circuits, right? I would assume. Like, that's one of those things. He should have been able right? to deal with that whole clan like nothing else. Yeah, but, but then even then, I guess you come back to what they were trying to teach Bishop before, which is you're not supposed to kill. So maybe right. maybe Bobby's looking for ways to non-lethally dispatch these people. So for yeah. me, I actually would have preferred if they would have taken the Forge and Storm stuff that were over these two issues, turned that into one issue, and then turned the Opal and Iceman into a standalone issue as well. Yes. I think Agreed. that would have That flowed. way we know what to skip. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. I, I, I 100% agree. And uh, especially since... All of this, it just it just seems so convoluted with the other storyline going on at the same time, with yeah. where you go from Bishop to this other. It was basically just two throwaway issues combined into yeah, one, like a two issue series. Like they weren't separated; they were just flowing through the same two issues. I get it's not a perfect science, and I know that they were trying to just throw in stuff to tie up stories here or there, but I still felt it was kind of weird. I think it's and I wasn't whole- invested in it at all. I think it's the whole they have to have like a quarter of the book has to be action oriented or something. Mm. I've heard that before. And that's why you'll have these random battles that make absolutely no sense when they're trying to show like character development moments. So does like the picnic high throwing thing count as action? Well, then you have that and then Belladonna showing up and blasting him at like that's the, true. End of the picnic. So, yeah, I'm telling you, if the majority of the X-Men comics were just them hanging out, I would read that so hard dude it would be the best line ever i i mean i I know later on they have like a pool party and all this other stuff and uh, i remember the did the marriage happen already cyclops and gene no okay what that's forever again no that is an issue that i had as a kid and i remember for some reason you hated that they got married no i just remember i remember oh, it fondly oh, oh, like i remember the the, issue. i remember the issue no no i didn't have an issue <laughs> with it i had a, i had the actual issue because the art would like i just remember that issue really well why are you marrying him gene marry gambit <laughs> <laughs> marry well, someone else yeah. well uh, i also remember the upper uh, fleer cards they were an upper deck fleer cards where they would like have um cookouts or halloween parties and stuff like that i always loved that because as a kid you relate to school and you're thinking about it being a school whereas that's not something that uh, that ever crosses my mind up and you know as an adult i just think about it being like oh this is where they live before they go fight bad guys i'm still mad you did not i know what you're talking about because if you remember i wanted you to draw one of a wolverine with hot dogs on his claws (laughs) i have those cards I'll draw it. Um, I couldn't draw it on the X-Men set, though. That reminds me (laughs) of what I saw. The Return of Wolverine came out, and one of the variants is like a goofy-looking version of Wolverine with, I think it's hot dogs on his claws. It's like a pool thing. Really? And there's like a bunch of X-Men in the background at the mansion. So I hadn't thought about that card until just now, and that's probably why they did that. Do you remember those? Uh, they, yeah. were, they would be like nine <laughs> nine card sets, and they'd have Halloween parties, oh, and they'd remember. have like... Oh, I remember. We remember. We so they, was Cyclops Elvis? Uh-huh. Cyclops was Elvis. Um, I think Psylocke was a French maid. Storm was a witch. <laughs> of course she was. Um, <laughs> Wolverine may have been a vampire or a pirate. I don't, I don't know. remember. Was Gambit a Gambit should have been a Gambit pirate. Might, I don't know. But I, I do know. remember... We need um, to find this. I do remember the Gambit Spring Break is, ones pretty well because I know Bobby had put it, putting the ice cubes in the drinks. <laughs> the face that you're making. <laughs> we, we were both like, whoa, uh, rogue. 
I remember, like, no, that's what it was. Rogue, we, you didn't have. Like, she was the last one that you needed. Well, on the beach one, wasn't she with Gambit? Uh-huh. She was like, I think they were pouring sand on each other or something. I think building a sandcastle. Yeah, something. Yeah. I mean, it was the same difference, but those, really. But those cards were, were so awesome. I, that anytime mm. you bring those up, Matt, I, I am a fan, and we can talk about yeah. them. <laughs> I know. It makes me want to die. <laughs> I, I guess, like, the last thing that I have to say about Uncanny was we kind of skipped over it because we got straight to Bobby, mm-hmm. but was um, a very poignant conversation between professor x and gene on that log oh yeah and oh yeah like he they're they're talking about you know different things and she's asking him to share and he's just like very guarded but it just was very interesting to see him with his guard down and still being guarded but also the the dynamic between he and gene and that being like one of the people he like trusts implicitly yeah so a couple of things about that that uh, so, Xavier, up until relatively recently, was able to walk again. I th- I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. So, like, man, I really don't want to ruin that story. Shadow King. Mm, well, yeah, his Shadow. Legs. But I'm talking about how he gained the ability to walk again. Oh. I won't. I won't go there because I think you will eventually read that. Okay. Just because it's worth reading. Okay. But um, yeah. So he's dealing with that. So he's had the ability to walk again for a long time. And now he can't. So he, I think that's part of what his guard is. Okay. Because he's like dealing with that. And then on top of it, knowing what comes from the war room scene when Bishop drops into the war room and sees that and then seeing this conversation. And yeah. I think it's even the same issue. It or, is. Like that has me like, wow, okay. So maybe maybe this whole thing was – anyway, I won't say anymore. <laughs> You're you're always stuck in this thing of wanting to educate, but also not wanting to spoil anything. Exactly. It's, One day you're going to slip up. It's a terrible place to live in, like wanting to educate and then not wanting to spoil. Well, we we learn together with a show. Yeah. So we do. I kind of know what you feel like uh, in a way when you want to talk about dinosaurs and nobody wants to hear it. <laughs> you know, you just want to talk, but nobody wants to listen to you. So you're looking forward to Savage Land issues. Yeah, let's do it. What is that? <laughs> When is that? No, he's not going to like those because he'll be like, no, this is not right at all. <laughs> the, this, this was probably. not part of like, this this era. And no, so I really did like the line that um, that that same part Travis was talking about where he says, Gene, um, did you ever hate me for having taken you away from your childhood? And she says, Professor, please, what child is given the opportunity to fly to the stars? How many children battle alongside Asgardian thunder gods or super soldiers? You gave me all of that. And more uh, than you took away. And I thought that was really cool. And he just kind of looks down and says, I hope so. Like, he doesn't really believe it. But, you know, I never, ever thought about that. How he would feel taking them away from their childhood and teaching them would be soldiers. Even even educated soldiers, you know. And just thought that was really cool. I'm glad you brought it up because I completely forgot. Yeah, it is. It's a great, like, what is it, two pages, I think? Yeah. Great two-page section buried inside of the, the, the story. And... The whole – that's the the thing that bugs me about uh, the story schism that happens way later because there's a conflict between – I won't say who, but two of the <laughs> two of the leaders in the X-Men universe and one is okay with putting a 14 or 15-year-old girl at risk if it means saving a bunch of lives. Mm. The other one thinks it's a bad call and they basically throw down over the outcome of it, whereas the one was technically right because the lives were saved – but the other one was technically right because it messed up her mind afterwards. Like Cyclops dealing with it. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you weren't as uh, yeah, sly about it as you no, thought. I mean, you, it's you, like, you said right a whole lot. Well, I did. Cyclops was right. But they were both right. You have a tattoo. He has a tattoo across his back. It's an entire back piece that says Cyclops was I, right. I've considered it. <laughs> Cyclops is, is right on my back, and then Gambit is sexy on my chest. There he goes. That's, <laughs> hey, I'll pay for it. <laughs> it's got to be a tramp stamp, though. Oh, God. <laughs> it's got to. <clears throat> All right. So I think that about wraps up everything that we wanted to talk. Yeah. Uh, for the next episode of Marvel Mythos, we're going to be covering Amazing Spider-Man 359 to 363. Believe that one, you're going to have a guest host, none other than our producer, Austin Flume. Travis, where can they find you on social media? Uh, 
at Wrestle Special on the Twitter and the Wrestle Special on Instagram. I host a bi-weekly wrestling podcast if that is your bag. So go check that out. And he has some really good episodes, one of which is about Shawn Michaels and another one is about The Undertaker. Yeah. Not to plug myself. <laughs> so, and Matt, where can they find you? At Matt Applegate Draws on Instagram. That's all I claim. You're, you're not on the Twitter? No. No, I'm not on the Twitter, <laughs> as Travis would say. All right. And you can find me on Instagram <laughs> at Marvel underscore Mythos and on Twitter at Marvel Mythos Pod. Also, please check out our website, marvelmythos.com, to see a full list of upcoming episodes. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Hello, Marvel friends. No. Why would you do that? I just almost got real pissed. I just almost got real pissed. That is the trademark. Don't joke about it. It's you did it once, and it was like this episode is ruined. You did it. You did. You left out the hey hey namaste. The first the first time I was like this that was weird that he said that, and then it became the signature, and then then you left it off the next time. I was like, why did you do that? Okay. Did you see everyone turn and look at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. I just reset the timer when you said that. I was like, no. Yeah. You should have. It was it was it was in fun.